0: This is Tom Parrish, and up next is a conversation with Rob Jacobson, and we're sitting in his car at an intersection not far from McDonald's, and I thought I would ask Rob, who is partially color impaired, what he sees in stoplights, and in particular, what he saw across the way there at the McDonald's, and this would be a great precursor for our interview, where we talk more about what it's like to be color impaired or color blind, and his new movie, Life Without Color, for which he has a Kickstarter program that you'll hear more about shortly. Oh,
1: I see. Okay, so we're coming up to a light. You gotta tell me now, what color is the light? Okay, I can see red, right. but I can only see that because we're close enough to where I can see that it's uh, that the red is on the left. Oh. I can't tell the difference between that red and that yellow. But the green, the when right. it turns green, uh, it's very, uh, very much brighter than the red. And so, so you I'm just gonna... go by the brightness of it, yeah. and, I guess so, and, yeah. and the position of it. Green is is uh, the green is bright, but it's not the brightest. I would say the yellow lights are the brightest lights. And uh, this that red is it. the same uh, color to me as a McDonald's M. But that
0: McDonald's M is Golden Arches. So oh, those are called? That's, they're called the Golden called? Arches.
1: Well, there you are. <laughs> golden. <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of a lame gold, isn't it?
0: Okay, so here we go. So it turns out Rob is a story producer and a filmmaker who is partially colorblind, and he works for a video post-production facility here in Austin, Texas one day it hit him. In our society, we cherish our visual field, but we also demand it to be understood uniformly. It's a good point. Take, for instance, policemen, firemen, pilots, army men, coast guard or army women, railroad workers, electricians, astronauts, artists, and many other occupations won't allow for any inconsistencies in color determination. Okay, so Rob is exploring colorblindness because he's partially colorblind himself. And he's creating a documentary showing people who are colorblind or color impaired. But it's a documentary about the human condition, highlighting the capabilities of those who won't give up. As a colorist in the filmmaking industry myself, whose livelihood depends on seeing color all day long, I'm curious to learn more from Rob. So let's dig in right now. So Rob, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: All right, well, uh, I'm a story producer at a post-production facility here in uh, Austin and greatly involved in story. I find it fascinating to listen to people, and, and uh, I've always sort of thought that everybody has a story. <laughs> you know, I used to work for NPR and uh, some TV stations, and I find that um, film and TV gives you the best opportunity to tell long, long-form story. Uh, which is where uh, a lot of great things happen, and um, yeah. So, w- so I I have to ask the question: In each of these positions, did
0: they ask, or did you tell that you had a color impairment? Did they ask me if I was color? Well, well they wouldn't ask you if you was colorblind. It's not a general sort of question, I suppose. But did
1: you mention it? Um, do you mean for for my job for, yeah. when I was becoming a? Mm-hmm. a Story producer? No, actually. It never, it never came up. They, um,
0: they just assumed that that was just like them. There was no different.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, they either assumed it or uh, I don't think it was really important to them. Yeah. Uh, luckily, <laughs> I'm in a, a, a job field where you don't really have to see uh, colors to tell stories. Right, right. Well, I was just curious about that. When did you first notice
0: your disability around color?
1: Um first time I knew that I was colorblind was when I was in high school, actually. Uh, we were all sitting in class, and our science teacher brought in a color plate book test. <laughs> I think it's called the Ishihara test. Right. And uh, he showed us these numbers, and he would say, all right, how many of you see the number 48? And then people would hold their hands up and... Uh, that was one of the easy ones. Then he would say, "All right, well, who sees the number three here?" And then mm-hmm. I would uh, raise my hand, and I'd notice that I'm the only one raising my hand. <laughs> and he would point to me, and he would say, "This kid is colorblind." <laughs> and uh, you're like, "Oh great!" Was, yeah, <laughs> the number was actually 32 or something, and and uh, the two you couldn't see unless you could tell the difference between reds and greens, and that's when I knew, I guess, when the yeah. spotlight was shone on me. And it didn't really matter at the time because, yeah. uh, yeah. uh, you know, I was just in high school and there was no consequence of being colorblind.
0: Yeah, well, you weren't putting on lipstick or nail polish yeah. or <laughs> things didn't have to match up like that, Thank right? Oh, goodness. There's a guy. So it's a good thing. <laughs> well, let's see. So you never noticed it when you were, like, you know, in class? You had art class, drawing classes and things like that. It never really...
1: No. Well, you know... It's very difficult to see colors and then determine that what I'm seeing is different from what other people are seeing. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So people would, in art class, if I was painting something a certain way, they would just think that's my interpretation of it. They wouldn't necessarily think that I'm colorblind. Exactly, exactly. And so there was never a connection between what I was seeing and what others were seeing right. until I took that test in the middle of the class. Right, right. Well, I imagine that's what happens for a lot of... I mean, unless you're seriously
0: colorblind, I mean, this is where it just becomes apparent when you're young, which it does happen, of course. But in your situation, of which I'm assuming there's a lot of people
1: like that... Yeah, oftentimes, I, w- I would say most of the time, people only uh, recognize that they're colorblind... Uh, well into their teenage years, sometimes even later. Yep. Then you show up for a job, and
0: there's an issue. Yeah. past, oh, disappointing. So jump to the future. What was your motivation for coming up with this film? And give us the title of the film. Do you have one
1: yet? I do. I was driving along one day, and uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, my colorblindness hasn't really affected my life in any way. Um, Other than it being slightly difficult to tell uh, reds and greens at stoplights at night, um, I'm completely unaffected by it. And I thought to myself that that was was pretty lucky. But I wondered if it had ever really dominated someone's life, if it had ever really uh, changed someone uh, in a way that sort of haunted them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I did some research and, and I found one story and then I found another and another. And, and it turns out that uh, hundreds, thousands, thousands of people are affected by colorblindness because they, uh, they can't get the jobs that they want. And when you want a job and it's a very specific job, it's something that's oftentimes just built into who you are as a person. Um, you know, a lot of people don't want just any job. They they're born wanting something.
0: Yeah, they feel a real they feel really drawn to the job.
1: Yeah, and yeah. so there's a there's a there's a great rip when uh, they're told that they can't do it because of something like color blindness. So let's more more on that then. So how does color impaired impact
0: color impaired people or color blindness? Let's just call it that.
1: Impact uh, people's career in public service. Uh, well,
0: Would that be the biggest sector you think?
1: I would say, yeah, any, any service job, policemen or pilots or people who want to join the Army or the Navy, they need to be able to see uh, the different shades of colors in life to be able to distinguish uh, suspects or to be able to tell dials on a color-coded um, panel on yeah. Uh, for pilots or or I mean, there's our whole society is built around uh, the understanding that everyone can see colors in the same fashion.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so there's millions of dollars being invested in very intricate and important technologies that facilitate these jobs that they rely people to be able to see. And, and uh, when you can't, you know, to them, hey, there's thousands more that can so they just uh they just discount everyone who can't see those colors
0: got it so you've been out doing some interviewing of these people for your film yes yeah yeah and in meeting other people who are colorblind
1: did you ever meet anyone that was colorblind before you started doing this this interview these interviews yeah all the time um i've got a couple of friends who are colorblind and uh how would it come up in conversation um well actually I I I uh whenever someone would tell me something was a certain color and I would look at it and say well it's not that color it's not green or it's not red it's it's like uh, gray or it's uh purple instead of blue and I, I guess I'm stubborn in the in the sense that even though I know I'm colorblind I'll still argue with them uh, as if as if I know something that they don't um so uh yeah, but all of my friends that are colorblind, it doesn't really affect them either. It doesn't really affect a lot of people. I would say that most people are, are fortunate enough to just have colorblindness be an issue of not being able to see minor things in their life or interpret things in the same uh, perfect sense as others.
0: Well, that was going to be my question was, does you know, in meeting people who are colorblind, did it impact their emotional nature in some way, especially people that were severely colorblind? And my my takeaway from your perspective on this is it might not be any different from someone who uh, doesn't have all four limbs. For instance, maybe they they didn't have one limb at birth or they, they had some major physical disability at birth. They never really thought of life as being any different. They just they'd live and they're happy and everything's fine. Um, But it may or may not be the same. I didn't know if in colorblindness that they're, especially a severely colorblind person, if there were problems with depression or any sort of emotional issues that might come up.
1: Yeah, you know, I I have talked to some severely colorblind people, people that see the world in uh, black and white and and shades of gray. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, uh, for the most part, is a very significant part of their life, where they feel like an outsider. And they interpret all of the things that are important to them as in a different way than, uh, than other people, mm-hmm. um, especially if they you know, want to get into a career that is color-driven, like being an artist. Uh, your very interpretation of life itself is uh, oftentimes Mocked or or just labeled as wrong, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, rather than unique or or different or 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 whatever the case may be. I I I guess the difference between that and a physical
0: disability is a a, a visible physical disability. People would know there was an issue there.
1: Yeah, right away. But they they couldn't look at
0: you and see that. You don't, you don't know. You can't tell a person's colorblind. You just know that they, they might act differently with regards to issues around color, they might say things differently, may this, may that. Yeah, I guess it could really wear on you.
1: Yeah, and I think in a way, not giving that condition of total colorblindness uh, the right consideration um, can sometimes be... Uh, it can rob someone of how they feel. Not giving that uh condition credit enough mm-hmm. to be a significant part of their life, tossing it aside as as uh oh, they just can't see colors that's not so bad mm-hmm. um, in many senses it's not so bad, but uh in you know in the world that they live in it's all there is can really anything be done
0: about their condition isn't that uh it move back into your movie here it's What you know, where where do we go from here? If this is the situation for so many people who have a call to do more in their life, what can be done about it?
1: Well, that's a very complicated answer, actually. For many people, people who are totally and utterly colorblind, there is not a clear answer for them. There's no Mm -hmm. real solution to bringing color into their world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of emerging technologies that look promising and you know they're still years away from being applicable to the general public and even if they are there's no guarantee that it can help all the totally colorblind people Mm -hmm. but there's uh, quite a few options that we're finding and exploring for people who are just color deficient and uh, I think in the movie, we're quite confident that we can help these people get the jobs that they want.
0: So that'll be something the movie will go into more detail about. Yeah. Oh, that would be exciting. Well, then, let's do a piece with regards to the Kickstarter. So so you have a Kickstarter coming up, or maybe if you're listening to this, it's uh, you're finding out about the Kickstarter just now, and it's still going. Tell us a little bit about what you're offering and what the Kickstarter program is about for the movie.
1: Well, in order to complete the production side of the film in order to do some reenactments that uh, need to be shown and mm-hmm. and get music licensing and, and uh, help with post-production. We're launching a Kickstarter campaign and uh, in it we'll give back some things from the film and some things from the people involved with the film. I have some artists that might be able to donate some of their work Good, that reflects yeah. on their colorblindness yeah, and hopefully we can raise enough money to close the gap in our budget. And how can they find out more about this? Uh, To find out more about the film, you can go to our website at lifewithoutcolorfilm.com or you can read our Twitter feed, which is gaining a a great following. It's at lifewithoutcolor. Or they can contact me at my email, which is production.colorblind at gmail.com.
0: Okay, this is just wonderful. I can't wait to hear more about the movie. I'm looking forward to contribute in some way myself, if I can, for you. And I'm very excited about getting this show out to folks. I think it brings about a fascinating perspective on people's lives. So thank you for your time. Great. Thanks for having me. If you have any questions about this podcast or have any ideas for topics on color, please email me at Tom at tomparish.com. Color Talk is in iTunes, so be sure to subscribe and get your latest show there. Or I'll tell you a secret I post in SoundCloud first hint, hint. Many thanks to Ginny Meadows at MyCopyEditor.com for the faithful and kind and accurate copy editing. To Sunish Sebastian for the amazing use of 100% organic gluten-free SEO tags to help make TomParrish.com more visible in the search engines. And finally, Paul Cox, my C-level support person, CSAO, chief smart-ass officer, and longtime friend. Until next time, always be learning.